I want you to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 6. And uh, while you're turning there, uh, I just want to tell you, God, He just works. And He just unfolds plans. And um, sometimes I try to plan and I try to prepare. Uh, I try to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. But, but sometimes I just, I just fall short. Sometimes I just don't. But I love how God just unfolds His plan in front of us. You know, we've been in the book of Acts and uh, this morning we celebrated, like Brother Andy said, we celebrated uh, graduation. And I've been seeing mamas and daddies cry, you know, uh, on the social media when their they're little kindergartners are moving on to the first grade. Um, I saw a bunch of mamas and daddies cry, and I cried with them uh, when their seniors graduated high school. Uh, yesterday, uh, someone was there and took a picture of me crying. When my college graduate was graduating, you got to be careful these days, right? Because there's cameras everywhere. You just can't have private moments anymore, can you? But, but we celebrate, don't we? We celebrate when parents, when our children grow up and they, 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 they move into these new phases of life. And I love celebrating growth. I love celebrating new phases. And, and the reason I tell you I, I can't make this stuff up and I can't plan this stuff is that This morning, we happen to be in Acts chapter 6, and what we're going to be seeing and what we're going to be talking about is the growth of the church and how God was moving the church into this new phase, into this new journey, if you will. And as the church was growing, they encountered challenges. They encountered growing pains. As a matter of fact, today we're going to see incredible growth, but we're also going to see some grievance. We're going to see some challenges, but in the midst of that growth and in the midst of those challenges, those grievances, what we see is we see God's children set goals, and they make plans, and they move forward as God pushes them. And so I just think it's incredible that today we celebrated all of these graduates, and how incredible was it that we as a church get to celebrate graduates that go from one wall to the other? Like, that's incredible to me that we've got so many families connected. And we've got so many ministries that are connected. I, I saw these, these children, and I, I saw them come up as kindergarten graduates, but I also heard them worshiping, right? Connected with my heart, connected with my soul. And I saw Brother Jeremy as he handed these bags out, and I thought, man, he's going to wear himself out and not be able to sing on the praise team. But, you know, I think about student ministry and how student ministry is connected, Right? Uh, through the children's ministry and with the adult ministries of our church. And, and God just continues to grow us. But with that growth, we have to understand there are going to be challenges. And, and sometimes there's going to be grievances. But we have an opportunity as God's children to move forward in that growth and to move forward and to set goals and make plans on how to handle those challenges and how to handle those grievances. And so far, when you look at the first five chapters of the book of Acts, what we've seen is we've seen God's Holy Spirit fill the apostles. He's enabled them and empowered them to be who He created them to be, leaders within the church. But we've also seen the Holy Spirit of God baptize new believers. As a matter of fact, new believers are being added to the church family daily. That's what God's Word says. That, that's what He's doing. And I, I just believe that, that these disciples, these believers, they, they are doing exactly what God told them they would do. 
He said, you will become my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the world. You will be my witnesses and the Holy Spirit will empower you and enable you to do these things. And so what we see is we see these apostles, that we, we see them participating, right? We see them in the kingdom ministry. And I believe we see three very important details in the first five chapters. And I think it's important before we get into Acts chapter 6 that we look back at how these apostles, these leaders in the church, how they operated, how they participated. Number one, they pray. That's, that's something we need to see in the apostles. They pray. I mean, they continuously pray. They consistently pray. They commune with God. Not only that, they preach, right? They pray and they preach. What do they preach? They preach the life of Jesus Christ. They preach the person who is Jesus Christ. They preach the works of Jesus Christ. And they proclaim a resurrected Savior. That's what they do. They pray and they preach and they participate What does that mean? That means they don't just sit around and watch what God is doing. No, God said, you will be my witnesses. You will go. You will tell. And so they participate. They go to the temples, right? The temple courts. They go into the streets. They go into the homes. And what do they do? They meet the needs of the people, both physical and most importantly, spiritual. So we need to understand who these apostles are and how they operate. They pray, they preach, and they participate in kingdom ministry in what God is doing. But we can never forget that it is God who blesses. Amen? It's God who blesses. And what we see very specifically God doing in the first five chapters of Acts is we see that God saves lost souls And he builds his church. I love this. As God saves lost souls, he connects them. He brings them together through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we see is we see the apostles and the church welcome them and plug them in to ministry. But we also see, we also see challenges. We see challenges. We see grievances, right? Both outside the body of the church, but also inside the body of the church. So far, we've seen some challenges. We've seen some persecution by the religious leaders, right? The ones who claim law. Law is what saves you. Law is what makes you right with God. When Jesus very clearly said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me, what Jesus told everyone was, law don't save you, I do. That's what Jesus said. And so these apostles, they're preaching Jesus. They're proclaiming Jesus. And so they face these challenges from outside, but we're also going to see that they face challenges on the inside too. There's some grievances that they have to deal with inside the body of Christ, the church. And, and so I want to I give you two definitions because we're going to be talking about growth and grievance And so I want you to know what growth is according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Listen to what growth is. Growth is defined as progressive development. Progressive development. It is described as an increase in number. And so with that growth, that progressive development, because that's what we're seeing, right? The Lord adds to the number how often? Daily. That's what the Bible says, right? 
new disciples are being discipled. And we're going to see that in Acts chapter 6. And so there's progressive development. There's an increase in number. And with that, we're going to see grievance. So what does Merriam-Webster define grievance as? Well, grievance is a cause of distress that is felt. And it gives reason for complaint or resistance. Now, I want to ask you a question, and you just be honest with me. How many of you just love that word, complain? Right? I guess I need to be careful, because some of us probably do like to complain a lot. But anyway, most of us probably don't like that word, complain, do we? We don't like that word, complain. Parents, how many of you love that word, resistance, when it comes to your children, right? Don't you just love it when your children resist you? Like, like they just resist what you're saying to them, they resist how you're guiding them and leading them. Yeah, we don't like complaint and we don't like resistance. We just don't like those words. However, what we're going to see is that sometimes there are valid complaints. Valid complaints. Sometimes there's valid resistance. And we're going to see that today. I mean, we need, to make, we need to make sure we understand something about the church. Even though God is saving lost souls, and even though God is adding to the number daily those being saved, even though God is building up His church, here's what we need to understand. There is no perfect church. As much as I love Start Baptist, Start Baptist ain't perfect. You want to know why? Because you don't have a perfect pastor. You don't have perfect deacons. You don't have perfect Sunday school teachers, and I hate to be the one to tell you this. You're not perfect members, okay? There is no perfect church because there are no perfect people. But we have a perfect Savior, amen? And we have been given grace by God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so what we can do is we can embrace the grace of God in our own lives, and we can become vessels of that grace to one another, amen? And we can move forward in kingdom ministry by the grace of God and with the grace of God. And I believe that's what we're going to see in Acts chapter 6. Now, biblical scholars tell us at this point, right? So from Acts chapter 1 up to Acts chapter 6 verse 1, biblical scholars tell us that the church consisted of approximately 20,000 believers, right? That's not how it started. (laughs) In Acts chapter 1... There were a few believers, a few church members, and now it's 20,000. And so what were the apostles doing? I've already told you this. They were praying, they were preaching, and they were participating. They were ambassadors of God. They They were kingdom ministers. And when I think of kingdom ministry, I can't help but think of Dr. Tony Evans. Uh, He has wrote quite a few kingdom books, kingdom disciples, uh, kingdom church, kingdom plans. He, He has written a lot of kingdom books. And Dr. Tony Evans says this in his book, Kingdom Disciples. He says, a kingdom disciple is a believer in Christ who takes part, participates, right? Who takes part in the spiritual developmental process, progress, right, of learning to live all of life in submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And the goal of the church, listen to this, he talks about the goal, right? The goal of the church is not merely for people to become Christians, but also for them to develop into fully committed 
disciples. Do you hear that? The goal of the church is not just to see people get saved and baptized. The goal of the church is to see people get saved, see them get baptized, and see them and help them become disciples. That's the goal of the church. And that goes back to what Jesus said, right, in Matthew. At the end of Matthew, he said, go and make what? Disciples of all nations, teaching them the word, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that's the goal of the church. Dr. David Jeremiah says this. Listen to what he says when he looks at the church in Acts chapter 6. This is what Dr. David Jeremiah says. He says, as new believers were being added to the church, the needs of the people soon overwhelmed the existing infrastructure. And here's what he says. Growth led to grievance. Growth led to grievance. Grievance is not always a bad thing. It's not always a bad, th- a bad thing. See, sometimes grievance is a result of growth. And we need to understand that. We need to embrace that. And we need to move forward in that. So let's see how the disciples, let's see how the apostles handled this growth and how they handled this grievance. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. The Bible says, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, there's the increase, the growth, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. There's the grievance. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together. There's the connection, the church body. They gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. And look at, verses, look at verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased how? Rapidly. I love that. Increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. What an incredible passage of Scripture. And what we see here is we see growth, we see grievance, and we see goals. As a matter of fact, we see the growth from God. It is God who gives the growth. Listen to me. It's not a dynamic preacher. It's not a dynamic praise team. It's not how many small groups you got. It's not that you got cameras or lights or video feed that goes out into the world. Listen to me. Only God can grow a church. Only God can grow a church. But here's what happens. God uses people. God uses people. God uses the things, right, of this world to do incredible things. And so in the first few chapters, we see that when the believers are praying together, 
When we see that the believers are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and they embrace participation, they're participating in kingdom ministry, we see the same thing every time. And God added to their number daily. See, the apostles were obedient to pray, to preach, and to participate. And God, the promise keeper, kept his promises. He said, when you do these things, I will. And God does. God added to their number daily. I love this. It wasn't just growth, was it? It was rapid growth, right? I was talking to Elliot just a few days ago. I said, Elliot, I went running just a few weeks ago, and the corn was this tall. And it seems like just in two weeks, right, the corn is as tall as me now. And I know that's only three foot five, but still. That's still incredible growth, right? I mean, going from two inches to three feet is still pretty good. And look, if you blink, tomorrow that corn's going to be six foot tall, right? Way over my head. And that's, that's what God does when, when God's people are surrendered to him. When God's people are focused on him, when God's people are praying and preaching and participating, don't tell me God won't because God will. And I'm going to tell you something. Start Baptist Church. God is doing a work in us and through us. And we're seeing the baptismal waters stirred. We're seeing ministry teams have to do more work (laughs) because the needs of the people, right? It's overwhelming the structure, the infrastructure. And, and, and I know we could sit around and go, well, man, we can't. And you're right, we can't, but God can. God can. And so we see this incredible growth from God. But growth means more ministering, right? And so not only do we see growth in the church, we see grievance. We see the grievance of people. Another one of my favorite preachers is Pastor Tony Marita. I got to read a couple of his books when I was uh, going through seminary classes and Pastor Tony Merida says this in his commentary on the book of Acts. He says, we must understand that failure, listen to me because this is so good. He says, we must understand that failure is not always the result of sin. Sometimes failure is simply due to our human limitations. So many times when we think of failure... We think, well, we're broken people, and sin did this. And listen to me, a lot of failure in our lives and a lot of failure in our world, it is due to our sinfulness. But sometimes failure is due to our human limitations. Here's the truth. I can't do a lot of things. But here's another truth. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. I can do all things. In Christ who strengthens me. Now, I don't want to take those scriptures out of context, but but here's what I want to understand. Yes, if it's up to me, my mind, my strength, right, my power, my want to, I'm going to fail a lot. But Christ in me and Christ through me, oh, I can taste success. I can cross finish lines. And I believe that's what we see here. So verse 1 tells us that the Hellenistic Jews, right? The Hellenistic Jews, they complained against another group inside the church called the Hebraic Jews. But why did they complain? 
Were they just complaining just to be complainers? Or did they have a valid complaint? Did they have a valid grievance? The Bible says they complained because their widows were being overlooked. And that's a very important word, especially the Hebrew word. Being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So let's talk about this for just a moment. The Hellenistic Jews, who were they? I'll tell you who they were. They were the Greek-speaking Jews. They were Jews who lived outside of Jerusalem and came back into Jerusalem. They were the Greek-speaking Jews who previously lived outside of the borders of Jerusalem. So who are the Hebraic Jews? Well, they were the Hebrews. They were the Hebraic Jews, the ones who lived in Jerusalem. And the Bible says that the Hellenistic Jews felt that they were being overlooked. Their widows were being overlooked by the Hebraic Jews. Now that word overlooked, again, both in the Hebrew language and the Greek language, the word overlooked denotes that this was neither a direct or intentional act. Did you hear me? The word overlooked means that it was not a direct or intentional act against a group. You know what it was? We ain't got enough hands and feet. (laughs) We can't. That's what it is. And, And so we understand, right, that with growth from God, there will be grievance from people. But we see the opportunity to act. We see an opportunity, right, to participate and keep on participating in kingdom ministry, which is all about serving God and serving people. You might say, well, Brother Jeff, how do I serve God? You serve God by serving people. People who are created in His image. People that God gave His image and likeness to. Not just people who look like you and talk like you and believe like you. You serve God by serving all people. And so we see this growth, incredible growth, rapid growth. And we see a valid grievance. Widows being overlooked. Not intentional. Not directly because they wanted to, but just unintentionally. But it's still a a grievance. And so what do we see next? Here's what I believe we see. We see goals. I believe we see goals, right? We see the goals of the apostles. With one goal, we see multiple goals unfold. The apostles understood and they embraced their purpose and their goal. See, they understood who they were, they understood whose they were, and they understood why they were. What did the apostles say? The apostles said, we were called to minister, right, the Word of God, to the ministry of the Word of God. We see that in verse 2. They make it clear again in verse 4, and they say, we will give our attention to two things, prayer and the ministry of word. Listen to me. That's what the apostles were called to do. God called them to be prayer warriors and to be preachers. Preach the word. And they understood that. They knew that. And so their first goal was, we got to be who God called us to be and do what God called us to do. So that's their first goal. Called to preach, called to teach, called to pray. And they would not compromise that purpose that came from God, that calling, that goal. But we also see the goal of unity unfold, right? 
So their goal is to be who God called them to be, do what God called them to do. And underneath that goal, we see the goal of unity because what do they do? They called all of the disciples. Do you see that? You see it? They called all the disciples to do what? Come together. Come together. In other words, we're all in this together. Do you see that? Oh, this is so good. Right? A goal of unity. And what did they want to do with that unity? What did they want to do with the calling and the purpose that comes from God? I'll tell you what they wanted to do. The Bible says they wanted to empower and enable others to serve. Because what did they tell them to do? Find seven more men, right? Seven more men. And not just any kind of men, right? What kind of men did they, were they supposed to go and select? Men that were what? Full of, you say it, the Spirit of God and full of what? Wisdom. They weren't supposed to go out and find men and say, oh, you'll get spirit and oh, you'll get wisdom when you get this position. Oh, no, no, no. You're supposed to select men who are already full of the Spirit and already full of wisdom and already using it. But now we're going to give them some direction. Now we're going to give them some goals and some purpose. And so we see the goal of enabling and empowering others to serve, to participate in gospel ministry. They're going to have a great responsibility, a great responsibility within the kingdom of God. And so what happened? They brought them to the apostles and the apostles prayed over them and laid their hands on them. You know what this was? This was a commissioning service. A commissioning service. The apostles prayed over them, laid their hands on them. Why? Because the apostles truly wanted the church to be God's royal priesthood, to be God's holy nation, to be God's special possession. And the reason I can say that is because the guy who's preaching and teaching, Peter, he tells us that in his letters, right? In 1 Peter Chapter 1, he says, this is who you are. You're God's royal priesthood. You're God's holy nation. You're God's special possession. Why? So that you may declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1. Man, I love that passage. And that's what the apostles wanted. They wanted all of the disciples to know who they were. To know whose they were and to know why they were. Listen to me. These men that were selected, could they possibly teach? Could they possibly pray? Absolutely they could. But their goal in this place and at this time was to wait on tables. It was to serve the people. It was to make sure that the Hellenistic Jews, widows, would not be overlooked anymore. As a matter of fact, most theologians will tell you when you look at this list of names... All seven of these names, they were Grecian Jews. They were Hellenistic Jews. All seven of them. That's what almost every theologian agrees. That they were chosen out of this group that was being overlooked. They were God's chosen people. And they had purpose. And they had direction. And I'm going to tell you, I believe the other goal of the apostle, right? Their goal was to preach and to teach, to pray, 
Their goal was unity. It, it, it unfolds. Their goal was to empower and enable other disciples in the body to meet the needs. I, I just believe their goal was to be people of compassion, right? To be people of love, to be people of grace, to be people of mercy, because that's who Jesus was. When Jesus saw a need, he met it. Jesus also enabled disciples, didn't he? To walk with him. Not simply to watch what he did, but to watch and do what he did. To be a part of ministry. And I just believe that's what we see. So when we see growth, and we see grievance, and we see goals, guess what else we see? We see kingdom advancement. I told you, when you know who you are and whose you are and why you are, and you're surrendered to that, you embrace that, and you walk that and you live that, God's going to do something. God's going to do something. And He's not just going to do something to you. He's going to do something through you. And He's not just going to do something for you. He's going to do something for others. And that's what we see in this passage. We see kingdom advancement through all of this, the growth, the grievance, and the goals. Look at this verse, verse 7. The word of God spread. Not the deeds of man. Not, hey, Brother Jeff, recognize me. Put my name on a plaque. Not start Baptist church posted everywhere. What do we see happen? We see the word of God spread. Listen to me. We got to get over ourselves. And we got to get under God. We got to get over ourselves and under God. We got to stop wanting to be recognized all the time. Stop wanting our name plastered everywhere. Stop wanting attention on us. Listen, the attention was on the Word of God. And guess what God did? Rapid growth. Rapid growth. The Word of God spread. Why? Because the apostles kept the main thing, the main thing. Because the church embraced servanthood. They embraced biblical leadership. And we're going to start that tonight. Come back at 6 o'clock. Biblical leadership is going to be good. But they embraced servanthood. They embraced biblical leadership. And they did it with obedience. And they did it with pleasure. They did it with pleasure. Did you see that? When the apostles made a, a plan, when they set a goal, how did the people respond? It said it pleased them. Right? So they responded to what God was doing with obedience and pleasure. And God increased the number of disciples rapidly. Not only that, it says even a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Scholars tell us that during this time, there would have been between eight to 10,000 Jewish priests serving within Jerusalem. Eight to 10,000 priests But do you know that many of those priests that were serving during this time, they did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. They did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. They were serving underneath the law. And they were obedient to the law. But guess what happened? When the church was on fire, and the church was praying, and the church was preaching, And the church was participating. And it was the word of God being spread, not the deeds of man, but the word of God being spread. God said, oh, I'm going to give you more disciples because I'm expecting more needs to have to be met. Think about that for just a second, right? Why why was it that the disciples were rapidly growing? 
Because God planned on giving them what? More lost souls saved. So more needs. But not only that, he gave them priests that became obedient to the faith. Do you know what that means? That means that many of the priests in Jerusalem became believers in Jesus Christ as Messiah and Lord and Savior, and they truly became priests of God. How cool is that? Man, priests getting saved. Woo! That's the fire of God. That's the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God. We talked about the goodness of God. We sang about it this morning. That's the goodness of God. God can and God will. Let me tell you something. God wants to. I believe God wants to fill up every pew in this building. I believe God wants to knock one of these walls down and make it bigger. I believe that. Because the Bible tells us that he doesn't want anyone to miss heaven. He doesn't want anyone to not be in relationship with him. He wants all people to be saved, to be in right relationship with him. And listen to me. There's a bunch of people who live in Start that need to be saved. There's a bunch of people who live within 10 miles of Start that need to be saved. Churches, churches need to know who they are and whose they are and why they are. And they need to be prayer warriors. And they need to be preachers of Jesus Christ. And they need to participate in all kinds of ways. Whether it's praying, preaching, or waiting on tables. If churches will just do what God says to do, the promises of God will unfold. And they will unfold rapidly. Rapidly. I'm going to tell you something. You know what my goal is? This this is a goal I got. Next year, my goal is we have to have two graduate recognition services. Two. At least two. That's my goal. You want to know why? Because that means we're reaching families who have kids, kids who graduate kindergarten, kids who graduate high school, and young adults who graduate college. And we may just have to do a college graduation party. And then after that, maybe do a high school graduation party. And then after that, maybe do a kindergarten graduation party. I'm going to tell you, that's a pretty good goal, I think. Reaching people with the gospel. Celebrating God's goodness in their lives. Celebrating growth. And opportunities to step forward and be who God called them to be and created them to be. But you know what it all comes down to? It comes down to surrender. Surrender. See, the question we have to answer as a church is, have we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ as our Savior? Is He our Savior? Is He our Messiah? Is He our Lord? Are we underneath Jesus Christ? Or are we just pulling Jesus Christ along with us? We're not going to be the church God wants us to be unless we're surrendered. We must be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, just in case you're not here tonight, a biblical leader will always be a faithful follower. A biblical leader will always be a faithful follower. Let me just tell you something. I'll never stop following Jesus. I'll never stop calling myself a Christ follower. Has He called me to lead? Yes, He has. He's called me to lead in my home. He's called me as a leader in the church, as a pastor. But I'll always be a follower. Always. Why? Because I'm surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is my leader. And I will faithfully follow. 
Another question we have to ask is this. Have we embraced our calling from God to serve? Let's go back to Jesus, right? When Jesus was telling the people who he was, he made it very clear. He said this, I have not come to be served. I have come to do what? To serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus, he told us who he was and he showed us who he was. So how dare we ever think we're supposed to be better than that? How dare we come to church and say, serve me, do for me, recognize me, give me. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we're supposed to do that. Nowhere. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to follow the leader. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. Jesus said, deny yourself. Take up the cross daily and do what? Follow me. In other words, do what I do. Have we embraced, right? Have we embraced God's calling to be servants? To be servants in kingdom ministry. Because I'm going to tell you what I see in Acts chapter 6 is simply this. When we're devoted to God, we will see that growth and grievance will lead to opportunities that can glorify God. Here's what I believe. I believe when you call a group of students up here and and you say thank you, God, for what you've done in their lives and what you're going to keep doing, I believe that's a chance to say, God, we glorify you in this. God, we thank you for this. When someone is baptized, when multiple people are baptized and they're brought in connected to the church family, what is that? That's not saying, hey, good job, Start Baptist Church. You know what that's saying? God, you get the glory. God, you did this. Because what did I tell you at the very beginning? Growth comes from who? God and God alone. Growth comes from God and God alone. Listen, any growth that Start Baptist Church has, don't say, well, good job, Brother Jeff. Because that ain't me. Don't say, well, good, God, good job, Sunday school teacher. Growth comes from God. If anything, say, Brother Jeff, I'm going to keep praying for you. You keep praying and you keep preaching. If anything, say to the Sunday school teacher, thank you, I'm going to keep praying for you. I'm here to serve you and serve with you. And we give God the glory. See, growth and grievance will always lead to opportunity, right, to glorify God. So church, let's be guilty of that. Let's be guilty of saying thank you, God, more often than we say thank you, Jeff, or thank you, this, or thank you. Thank you, God. Now, am I saying it's wrong to clap a hand or to look someone in the eye and say thank you for serving? No, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying we need to make sure our priorities are right. And any thanks that we give to man ought to fall under the umbrella of thank you, God. And any glory that is given should only be given to God. I'm just a reflector. That's all I am. How many of you ever had bikes when you were a kid? Anybody? You ever had bikes when you were a kid? You know what the coolest thing I thought to do with a bike? Was to buy as many reflectors as you could and put them on them wheels. I just thought that was the coolest thing of all, right? Ride down, especially at night. When the lights were shining on it and them lights would just flicker all over the place, right? It wasn't the bike that was cool. It was the flickering of the lights that was cool. So listen to me. I, I just want to be the bike. I just want to be the tool that God uses, right, to flicker lights of glory that magnify Him. I just want to be a servant of God. 
I just, I just want people to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, if I say something or do something nice or good. Thank you, God. Right? God gets the glory. And that's what I pray for you, church. I pray that God gets the glory for the great things he has done to you and through you. And I pray that we'll be a church like this, right? A church that experiences growth, a church that handles grievances with goals. Goals to glorify God. Amen.